a multitude of voices. Shalom! Thank you for joining us for the Sunday Sermon of December 13th, 2020, third Sunday of Advent from Christchurch, Jerusalem. John came as the voice, and now we are the voice pointing to the light, to the Messiah, says Deacon Aaron Imey. We are the voices that bring hope, faith, and goodness to a world that needs it. In a world in darkness and despair during this pandemic, the world truly needs the light of Christmas. Speaking of Christmas, you are invited to celebrate the birth of the Messiah of Israel with us. Since we know you can't come to Jerusalem, we will bring Jerusalem to you. Join us for four hours of live caroling, a traditional lessons and carol service, and our Christmas Day service all on YouTube. For times and links, visit our Facebook page or go to ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Now, on to the lectionary readings. It's from the 61st chapter of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bride decks himself with ornaments and as a bridegroom adorns himself. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. For the third Sunday in Advent, it's from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1. And brothers and sisters, and those that are at home, please stand. It is our tradition that when we hear the good news of the Messiah, we honor the King by standing in his presence. The good news, according to John, 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Now this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, he did not deny, but he confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Beth Aravah, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are those, some of us around and many in Jerusalem, who do not follow religious calendars. And so uh, this is the season of Advent, and they will say, well, I don't believe in Advent. Doesn't matter. It's still the season of Advent. Just like this week is Hanukkah. Now, you might not believe in Hanukkah. You might not appreciate it, but guess what? Doesn't matter. It's still Chag Hanukkah. And it is the season of Christmas coming. Now, you might not believe in Christmas, and there's a lot of people in the city who don't. That, completely irrelevant. It is still the season of Christmas. And today is the third Sunday in Advent. And part of the tradition is you have certain portions to read. Now, Advent follows a pattern. Starts the Christian calendar and it follows this pattern. In the first week, we focus on judgment. So you begin your preparation for the coming of the Lord by celebrating Christmas, by talking about the end. Then you have two weeks, second Sunday and third Sunday, talking about John the Baptist and his message and how that assists us to get ready to welcome the Messiah. And in the fourth week, you talk about Mary. Now, we read from the Gospel of Luke as part of our prayers tonight, the song of Mary, that after she had had an angelic visitation, she said, under the inspiration of the Spirit, yes, that all generations will call me 
blessed. Do you? Does this generation do that? Are you ready to do that? And so as Protestants, we sometimes have a real struggle with, uh, with Mary. This is going to be next week's topic. Okay. Um, we have a, a great um, opportunity in the church uh, that we actually celebrate normally the, and proclaim the mother of the Messiah. Not many people know the mothers of the other messiahs. Right? Now I know that someone here probably does, but does anybody know the, the mother of Menachem Schneerson, the, the rabbi of the Lubavitcher Mashiach? Most of us, the answer would be no. Does anyone know the mother of Nachman uh, and or uh, Shabtai Tzvi or Bar Kochfa or any of the other messiahs? No. So in the, in the Christian tradition, we at least give some honor to the mother of the Messiah. That will be a topic for next week. And that prepares us for the mother to give birth to the Messiah. But today, tonight, we will wrestle with the words of John the Baptist and the prophet Isaiah. And as we do, we will ask ourselves a couple of questions. So who is John? Because they keep asking him. Who is Jesus? prophets are going to tell us and which messiah are we preparing for so turning to john the baptist we actually know a fair bit about him we know his parents we know his parents come from a priestly line they are his mother elizabeth is a descendant of aaron so he is a levite we also know that he is firstborn in certain responsibilities. We also know that he was full of the Spirit while he was still in the womb. So he had a very special character. We also know that even though he's a priest, doesn't seem to be acting like a priest very much, does he? Certainly never find him in the temple. Often he's preaching against it, or at least the leadership Thereof. We know he's very popular. He's so popular that in the book of Acts, we discover more disciples of John still, and they've never heard of Jesus. They've only heard of the baptism of John. He has a role to play. Now, normally, um, if uh, normally when I preach, I like to put up an icon. Not because of shock value, like what is an icon doing in a, in, a, in a Protestant church? No, but a lot of those pictures tell us stories. A picture paints a thousand words. And when you look at icons of John the Baptist, now no one worships icons. They assist like a window to help. John the Baptist is always pointing. Whenever you see him and Jesus, he's always pointing. That's the guy. He's the one pointing the way toward the Messiah. He probably didn't start very popular. His ministry probably started small, like most of us. You start small and go big. But it was popular by the time we get to the Gospels. I mean, the Gospels have him unbelievably popular. Everyone's flocking to see him. And another thing I really like about John the Baptist, he might not have liked it, is it shows us that God does not always protect his missionaries from death. He's full of the Spirit. He's got a job to do. 
and he's doing it. And yet the enemy can still kill him. Just because you're full of the Spirit doesn't make you immortal. You can be full of the Spirit and believe in God. If you jump in front of a truck, guess what's going to happen? You may have a very quick conversation with God who might ask, why? John the Baptist gives us a lot of images of the servant of heaven. He points the way. And as our text says this morning, sorry, this afternoon, evening, John is a witness to the light. Now the gospel of John is often separated from the other gospels. The other three, Matthew, Mark and Luke, get sort of grouped together and they get called the synoptics and they're kind of studied like a group. And John is often sort of pushed off to the side and he begins to get some traditions that are not justifiable. He, they start saying, well, he's not quite like the others. He's um, not a very Jewish text or doesn't seem to be a very Jewish text. It's using some very interesting Greek. Um, you even get some people saying it's quite a little bit Gnostic, a little bit mystical. Well, I don't think that's true at all. I don't think John is an un-Jewish book. I think it's a very Jewish text. Let's start with the, the, the subject. John came as a witness to the light. If you asked a good Jewish man a question, what's the first thing that comes into your head when I say light? He would say, what would he say? Say Genesis, creation. What's the first thing God said out of his mouth? Let there be light. What was there before? What was there before God made light? Darkness. God lived in darkness, which is an interesting thought. Too often, when we're alone, when we're scared, when the darkness seems to be thick and strong and overpowering, we sometimes too often think that there's no God. Don't think like that. God dwelt in darkness before, then he made light, and light chased away the darkness, because it always does. And when God looked at this light, what did he say about it? He said it was good. Doesn't say why. Doesn't say, and God said it was good because finally he could see what the heck he was doing. Okay? God's like, wow, there I was groping around in the darkness and I'm so glad I made some light. God said it was good. And this light that God makes is not like this light, it's true. This light, when you turn it on, does chase away the darkness every single time. But this light cannot distinguish good from evil. This light will light up our pages to read. It will give light to our family when we have dinner. And it will give the same amount of light to the thief that comes in to steal your big screen TV. It does not know the difference between good or evil. But God's light is good. And God's light is very special because he moved it. 
there's an interesting Jewish tradition because light and, uh, and darkness are strong themes in the Bible and in Jewish tradition. If you've ever been to Qumran, if you have an opportunity to go and tour Israel and you visit Qumran and you'll see the Dead Sea Scrolls, they were fixated with light and darkness, calling themselves the sons of light and all the bad guys were the sons of darkness. But in Judaism, you also have light at the Sabbath. You always light Sabbath candles. And even if you're poor, those two little lights will chase away darkness. We're in the festival of light right now. And every day, you just keep adding more and more and more light. And at Advent, we do exactly the same thing. As you get further into the season, you add more light. Something that we inherit from the synagogue. When Adam was made, what day was he made on? He was made on day six, the pinnacle of creation. And then what happened? It was evening and it was morning. It got dark. Guess what happened to Adam? He was afraid. I don't like the dark. So God blessed Adam with fire and light. Not only to keep him warm, but it chased away the darkness chased away the fear and so light became almost like a part of God it's not like light is God but the light that God made was so special and so good and so reflected his character that when Moses saw the burning bush there was light and fire took his shoes off and worshipped God not the bush but God And the Psalms reflect that passion that the Jewish people have for trying to put together these themes of light and darkness and such. That in Psalm 27 it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. They pair light and salvation together. Whom shall I fear? Nobody. Because the light is good. So who is John? Well, our passage asks, people want to know who this very popular mystical character is, dressed in um, very interesting clothing, eating very interesting diet. So they send some representatives of the temple, the priests and Levites, and they ask, who are you? And he tells them quite plainly, I am not the Messiah. Imagine if he'd said yes. They probably would have believed him. Don't believe Jesus, might have believed John. Okay. So who are you then? Are you Elijah? Where do they get that idea from? I'm sure you know. It's from the prophet Malachi. In chapter 4, the prophet says, Behold, I will send you Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord. So the herald of the Messiah was going to be the Elijah um, uh, character. And if you take that text literally, it's Elijah. So much so that in Jewish tradition, one of the the possibilities that Messiah would come is Passover. Okay, And so at Passover, you actually put a place setting for, guess who? Elijah. And then, because we're all expecting this guy to physically come, during the service, you send out the littlest kid to go and open the door because, you know, He's going to open the door and he'll say, who is it? Well, there's this big hairy man out here who wants to come in. Um, should I let him in? Of course not. But uh, uh, that's what we're expecting. 
Well, who are they expecting? Are you the Elijah? You know where he's from. We know that his dad is a priest. His dad served in the Holy of Holies. Yes? Yet, they ask him, are you the Elijah? Did they think in terms of reincarnation? Like, what were they thinking? They didn't think he was literally Elijah. But they ask him, are you? Now, we had, it's a good lesson for us. When we look at the Bible, particularly with prophecies, and we say, ah, oh, it's going to be this. Because what it says. I know what it says. But be very careful when saying, because it is written, it will literally be like that. Because John the Baptist says, I am not Elijah. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah. Matthew 11. He is the Elijah. John the Baptist is the Elijah in a very interesting way. Are you the prophet, they also ask. Well, he says, no. Which, what are they talking about? Deuteronomy. Moses says, this is my last day. I know you're all disappointed. and You're going to go into the land of Canaan and you're going to set up a new just society. You're going to miss me, but, but God will send you another prophet just like me. Come on, just like me. So they've always been waiting for a prophet just like Moses. A humble, a leader, a Torah giver. Uh, and he says no. Well, who are you then? Well, now he gives us his uh, take. I am the voice. I'm the voice, the, the one that the prophet said would come. The voice that says, make straight the path of the Messiah. And what does that path, straight path, lead to? The cross. It's not some incredible highway that this messianic king's going to walk in and trumpet and going to beat the Romans and throw off the Greeks and establish uh, a realm. Make straight the way for him to do his job. Redeem the world. He is the voice the one who announces, just like Samuel went and announced David. When he meets David, that's the guy. All great uh, characters like this had a voice. But notice, with the other messiahs that have been through history, they didn't have a voice. You can't pick the character that was the herald that said, that is the messiah. But Jesus has the voice. John is the voice. Brothers and sisters, you and I have to keep that tradition. You and I are the voice. You and I have to point the way to the Messiah. What type of Messiah? What character is the world looking to see? I want a redeemer that's going to come and fix the economy. I want a redeemer that's going to come and fight back the plague. I want a redeemer that's come and star in Die Hard 6. Okay, what, uh, you want an actor? Do you want a politician? A military hero? The prophet gets to share what type of Messiah came. Okay? And so we read 
in, uh, in Isaiah 61, which happened to be the Haftarah portion that the Messiah reads when he comes out the desert. So after Jesus has been baptized, the Holy Spirit forces him to go into the desert, a place of transformation, and the Messiah is transformed. He goes into the desert as Jesus, the son of Joseph the carpenter, and he comes out as the Lamb of God with power and authority. He gathers disciples and he starts to fight back the darkness. And he goes into, the, into Nazareth and he sits down to read, as he stands up to read, and he reads the scroll. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Ruach Adonai Eli. There were only two prophets in the, in, the ancient, in the ancient world that had the Spirit of God on them, Elijah and Elisha. All the other guys say, the word of the Lord came to me. But the text deliberately says, Elijah and Elisha had the Spirit, and they didn't write books. Very interesting. Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Ya'an, which is the Hebrew word we often translate as because. Well, it's ken, but it's a, it's a biblical Hebrew idiom, which, which kind of means the very next sentence is horribly important, pay attention. You actually still use it in, uh, uh, school teachers still can yell it at their kids when they're all making a mess and the school teacher wants to say something really important, they yawn, and then they'll write up the, the, the very important equation that the maths got, got, to, got to understand. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Sit up, pay attention. The very next sentence is horribly important. Adonai Meshachoti, the Lord has made me the Messiah. We, the word is anointed. But anointed also means to Messiah someone. Jesus then sits down in the synagogue. All the eyes of the synagogue are fixed on him because this is incredible. And he says, this passage has been fulfilled in your hearing. What you've just heard has now come true. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the Lord has made me the Messiah. Too many of us, or too many, too many scholars, probably nobody here, too many scholars think that Jesus never said he was the Messiah. That is so far from the truth, it's not funny. The very first thing he said when he came out of the desert was, I am the Messiah, and this is the type of Messiah I am. I'm going to bring love, not hate. I'm going to preach good news to the poor. That doesn't mean the, the rich don't get it. They do. They are rich people in the kingdom. They usually pay for the lights, guys. Bless them. And if you are rich, keep being generous. But the poor are often forgotten. Too often the weak are cast aside. Too often we ignore them because they're just too difficult. Jesus says, oh no, I will preach good news to the poor. I will bind up the brokenhearted. Those that are, uh, are deaf, they will hear again. Those that are lame, they will walk again. And I will chase back the darkness. If you're a captive, I'll set you free. And if you're oppressed, I will take away your burden. And there will be joy and praise. And that is the type of Messiah he is. And that, oh my gosh, is really good news. Because brothers and sisters... Here we are in the season of Advent and we are heading into Christmas. 
Too often in the in the uh, pagan world out there, it's become the silly season. And we've been it, Christmas is no longer has lost its meaning. It's now become a consumer consumer uh, paradise. We now love to search for online bargains, and we can't wait for Book Depot to drop off our latest purchase. We get so caught up in consumerism, we have forgotten the good news that this world needs. And not only that, right now, this world is in darkness. In the grip of a pandemic that we have absolutely no answer for. Across the world, no one has a clue what to do. So what do we do? Cancel everything. Throw joy out the window. At Christmas, you can't meet as a family. We won't hear the Christmas songs, except to shop for them online. This is terrible. The darkness seems so foreboding. So brothers and sisters, we have a job. Our job is to be the voice. Our job is to point the light that will chase back the darkness. Our job is to, is to give people hope and the true meaning of Christmas. This is a time of expectation and the world needs it. They're trying to cancel it. So don't let them. Don't let them cancel Christmas. Don't let them, uh, don't let the darkness reign because brothers and sisters, you have the light. It's our job to share it. It's our job to prepare for it. It's our job to teach the world to expect it. In fact, this world needs Christmas. It really does. And brothers and sisters, good news is coming. The light is close at hand. And he will chase back the darkness. And he will bind up the brokenhearted. And he will set the captives free. And that is really good news. By the power of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, to wherever you are, be the voice and point the way. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.